Welcome. You're now listening to Dirty Feet. Bonjour. Oui, vous êtes sur les ondes des pieds sales, a.k.a. Dirty Feet podcast on No More Radio. And hosted by... Joanny Farrand. J.D. Papillon. Alison Burns. Stay tuned. We're going to move you. This week we have a sort of an international episode for Dirty Feet. Uh, we've got an amazing group of dance artists in the studio right now. Uh, well, artists, I mean, they do so much, so it's hard to pin it just on dance. They're from the Grand Oi Dance Company, and they're presenting Dance Me to the End on slash off love at the Centaur Theater. They started presenting the work March 19th, and it's running all the way till April 14th. And uh, I can tell you that it uh, it has, they have shows from Tuesdays to Saturdays in the evening, and they have matinees on the weekends as well. So there's lots of chances left to see it. So when we're done dazzling you with these wonderful personalities by the end of the hour, uh, you can always run out and go and, uh, and, and catch the show. So they're from Denmark. And it's a it's a big company, and they're presenting a work that is celebrating the music and lyrics of Leonard Cohen, and they do this through dance, through live music, through 
some would say kind of performance art tableaus and also some theatrics and some storytelling or, or monologues, you could say. So it's a full show. It's an entertaining show. It's a celebration. It, it goes many places, both intense emotion and humor. And anyway, if you can tell, I've, I have seen the production and I enjoyed it quite a bit. So now we're going we're gonna to go to our guests and have them talk a little bit more so I can stop stumbling over my tongue here. So the, the first person I want to introduce is Palais Grand Oy who is the artistic director and founder of the company. And uh, you, th this is also sort of your autobiography, I've heard you say in other interviews. Yes. I think I call it, uh, you can con it can be considered as a self-portrait. Mm. And the reason why I say considered is that you do not have to look at it like that. But for me, for me that was the, the way to start uh, producing that piece. Mostly because um, before, uh, in the name of Grand Dance, uh, I've done three other portrait pieces about portraying the person that is on stage just in front of the audience not a, a person that is died or is, is known by everyone else but that person just in front of you so the performer themselves yes. is the subject of the portrait yes. okay. yeah. it's, it started actually with a, uh, a, a nice story it started with a, a, a woman I met on, on, in Cuba in, and I don't know but I invited her to come to Denmark and she did. And I found out that that story of her, her professional story, she was educated as a dancer in the National Cuban Ballet, which is dramatic mm. uh, to, be, uh, to be there. And also the story of being uh, um, coming from Cuba is dramatic. And then moving to Denmark was so... I, it, everything was dramatic, I, was, I felt. So I was thinking, wow. Maybe I should do a portrait piece. That was how it started. But this is this is your choreographic career. You had a yeah. dance career even before that, yeah? Oh, I have forgot most of that, I would say. <laughs> 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 but it's true. Yeah. Where did you start your career and how? Oh, whoa, whoa. I, it was very late. I was 25 and I was doing gymnastic. I was walking, walking more on my hands than on my feet. Uh, and And then... To make it very short, I fall in love with a ballerina, and uh, that makes, made everything change. I take it a lot of this uh, conversation is going to be about love today. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Dance me to the end on off love. Uh, wonderful. And then, so, this, this Cuban uh, dancer, was that your inspiration for a choreographic career, or just for the portrait portion of your style? The last one. Okay. Yeah. So, when did you start your choreographic career? Oh, 25 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Now, maybe this is a, a, a question for the end of the interview, but I, I've been so curious about this because when you say something is a, is a self-portrait, that's kind of, and, and as I misinterpreted it at the beginning of the show as an autobiography, it is kind of have a, a finality to it. After choreographing for 25 years, is this, a, what is this for you? Hmm... First of all, it's it's a it's a pleasure. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a it's a huge pleasure to be on stage with this wonderful uh, artist I have around me, and um, and I think that was that was one of the first things I had in my mind. One of the other portraits was that's a, that's a woman just being totally alone. <laughs> 
totally alone for one hour. And this is that's Anne from this piece also. She's not here today. So I was absolutely sure if I should do a piece that could, could be considered as a self-portrait, I had to have at least 10 people around me to support me <laughs> because it could be... And, or maybe I should say I have not been on stage for se- 17 years when I got that idea. Really? So yeah, yeah, so it was also coming back. So therefore I needed a lot of support. So I, I invited all these wonderful people and they, I, I'm still happy that they said yes to be a part of it. Maybe we should introduce some of those people right now. We have two other artists in studio. We have Dorte Peterson. Thank you for coming in. Thank My you. pleasure. Can we talk about your artistic uh, career just very briefly? Are you you're also from Denmark? Is that yes? Correct? I am from Denmark. I'm actually half German, but still we count me as Danish <laughs> because um, some of the cast of, of the other pieces are very international. So there, I count as Danish. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I was educated in Denmark. I was one of the first dancers to be trained in Denmark when the first school program for training of modern dancers started, 1992 to 1995. So I'm one of the pioneers, not in Danish dance, but um, in educated in Denmark Danish dance. So that's 20 years ago. So modern dance education in Denmark is still young. We also have to talk about the pipes on you because you do some amazing singing in the show. Um, the pipes? Oh, like your vocal cords. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the gesture, Bill. <laughs> um, yes, I do sing in the show. Was that part of your dance training in Denmark? Is that something that was in addition to it? Is that something you prepared just for the show? It's, it's, not, a, it's not at all a part of the dance training. Okay. So um, <laughs> the dance education is very contemporary, dance training, ballet, modern, lots of different styles. Um, no, when I got into the school, I thought I was going to be a musical theater star. Okay. So um, I was actually on my way to Germany to get educated, but then there came the school in Denmark. Why are these guys laughing at you? Because we love her. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who says I want to be a musical star? I <laughs> wanted to be a musical star. That's the only one who can say that kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't even think that's very funny. <laughs> But it's funny today because it never happened. <coughs> um, so when I got into the school, I thought they're not going to teach me to sing. So I'm going to get a lot of singing training on the side. And then I started taking lessons. And... Um, The funny thing is, then I graduated, and I never, ever had a job in musical theater. But I only had a job in dance where I could also speak or sing or behave strangely. Mm-hmm. So well, that's a, that's a real asset as a performer, to have multiple ways of expressing yourself. Well, I think so too, and I've, been, I've enjoyed it immensely. But for many years, I was quite frustrated because I really wanted to be that musical star. And you can laugh again. <laughs> I really wanted to do that thing. And um, it never happened. But something else happened. Because in 2000, I think, I auditioned for Pelegranhoi. And um, I crawled around on all fours while I was singing a song from the 1920s, a Danish evergreen. And um, he hired me, and I've been around ever since. Was that your idea or his? That was my idea. Okay. Let's get to the third person in the room, uh, the one who was laughing over here earlier. This is uh, Bill Eldridge. Hello, Bill. Hello. And uh, can you let us know what you do in the show? What I do in the show? Mm-hmm. Uh, I push some buttons and, uh, and I uh, go on stage and move some heads and I dance a little bit and I sing a little bit and I... And you mean pushing perform. buttons literally? I uh, mean yeah, I do the lights uh, f- uh, from on stage, from the side. 
But it's okay. kind of a, it's, it's, we're in, I'm in and out and back and forward. Are you the only one of the performers that's also teching or are there no, more? No, daughter's of actually teching with me and Pelly oh pushes goodness. a button as well. Okay. But we have a cue, we just, we're just pressing cues uh, in the, a little uh, the light system that we've got. Is that something that comes from being a touring show and needing to be more self-contained and in control of these things? I or? Would definitely see that that's a part yeah. of it. Yeah. <clears throat> if you also perform, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. And where did you train? I uh, trained at uh, London Contemporary Dance School in from 83 to 87, and I worked for a few companies in London. Then I came to Denmark, was asked to be in a production. I should have been there for five weeks, um, and I was there for five weeks, performing and, uh, or, or teaching and, uh, in, in this production of Wojciech. And, um, yeah, I, I kind of fell in love with a girl in Denmark, and I stayed. There uh, it is again, that theme. The thing about love. And I stayed, and um, I worked for uh, some different people, and uh, one day I knocked on Pele's door and said, Pele, do you have a job for me? And he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay. <laughs> but then half an hour later, he phoned me up and said, yeah, I do, because the guy that was going to come, he's not coming anyway. And so I started working with Pele. And that was like around 1990-something, 93, 4, 5 something like that, if I remember correctly. I was in a few productions, and uh, then I stopped in 1998. And then I haven't done anything since that's had anything to do with dance. And then in March last year, Pelle phoned me and said, uh, I'm making a new production. I need you to be in it. And I said, when do you start? And he said, Monday. So I had a weekend to think about it. And I said, yeah. And, I'm, and now I'm here. Was that a good decision? It's the best decision I've made in years. How is it to get back into dance training? Um, years? <clears throat> it's, it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of difficult, but I'm not, uh, I don't have to dance the way I used to dance when I was 20 or 25 or whenever. So um, we produce closely with Pele, but we, we make things by ourselves and then we buy maybe have we've maybe been given a, a text or a, a word or a something good morning the next hour we work alone in a corner do your own stuff and then we meet together again and we we show it mm. to each other and then we start destroying it <laughs> and then we uh, then about three months later Pelly comes back and says that was great that was great that was great that was great and then he does his magic and puts it all together Was it a bit jarring that that change of how you relate to your body after so many years away from dance? Yeah, I hadn't done anything with dance whatsoever. I was doing completely different things. So I, I never thought I was going to be on stage again. So um, I'm looking after myself. I'm old. But how about with your body? Do you feel that that relationship of you and your body as a performer, as a dancer has changed tremendously since the last time you danced? Well, I think I was always very... Uh, my body and my feelings and my mind were always in my dance, but I mean uh, at this age I'm 52 it touches me even more. I cry sometimes. Not because it hurts, because it's I think it's fantastic also to have the opportunity to come back and be with these wonderful people on stage and I'm in three productions I'm waiting to come into a fourth production in the fall so I, I, I'm busy so I'm really happy and being on stage again but I think I've got more even more of me in it than there ever was before not that there wasn't anything before 
We got a sneak peek into that creative process, talking about the dialogue and and working on your own ideas. Can we talk about Palais? How about Leonard Cohen and his his inspirational influence on you? Yeah, especially considering that you consider it a self-portrait kind of work. Yeah, do you feel that there is a bit of a kinship between you and Cohen? Yes, absolutely. I found out that. Or maybe I should say that the the basic way I'm I'm working is what I call obstruction technique, and that is like Bill just said, is uh, it's it's based on deconstruction or it's uh, putting is uh, hiding no what's it called limiting the the dancers' movement when they have done a piece of material. I'm limiting uh, in many ways the the movement or the expression that they have uh, created. And that's what I call obstruction technique. So you can imagine if one arm was supposed to do a full movement and then you start uh, going against it, there's there's something else coming up. It creates new energy, new... Everything is new when you start stopping the movement. And that big energy, that uh, that, um, power uh, it has could be similar to a longing. Um, inspiration and that is the basic of of Mr. Cohen's work is the longing if I understand correctly Mm. you literally will tie people their limbs down for instance or it could be physically or it could be another dancer so there's a whole Mm -hmm. system so when we go into the rehearsal room in in a production there's a whole system that is put on on the dancers with a lot of rules uh, about how to how to move so so in so basically they do a piece of material in the first hour and then all these rules are putting on top of that material and uh, it's called serendipity actually uh, in a theoretical world that you are working on one thing and something else appears. Uh, for people who are not familiar with serendipity, it's, it's how a post-it was, was uh, found. It's, it's a lot of uh, Viagra, for instance, is also found in that way. I should not go into details, but uh, a lot of things in our world has been discovered by not looking for it. Oh, you mean because it was uh, heart medication? Yes, exactly. Yeah, okay. And then the, the yes, yes, and then we're decided lying the uh, exactly. With the all the talk about love, yeah, we could have been confused there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yes. Do you ever feel that those places, those limitations you put, yeah, everything yeah. that's afterwards that yeah. you don't let your dancers go to, yeah. those unexplored physical spaces, do you ever regret not going all all the way to there? No. No. I've never ever had that thought, so that must be because I have not uh, regretted that one. But I feel daughter has something. I have something to say to that, because don't you remember years and years back, there was actually um, not, there was a question of what about all the great stuff that we've done that we're not using because we're only using certain stuff and we're reducing it to something else. Yeah, that's true. And out of that came another piece. Yeah, that's true. Where all the old <laughs> stuff that everybody thought was great that was never used yeah. was actually used yeah, that's true. in a piece. Yeah, that's true. So uh, even though it didn't come from a regret, it came from there's so much more. Yeah. But, but I, as far as I remember, that one was more like it was not because that the dancers was not uh, able to do the full movement, but because this creative process creates so much material. You cannot imagine. I mean, it's it's uh, for if you have uh, uh, eight uh, dancers in a performance, and you can imagine every day how much fantastic 
um, she will just one dancer does, and then together with another dancer that is the obstructor, then together with two dancers, with three, and so on and so on. So it creates so much material that when I do the when I have to do the performance in the end, and that that is maybe one hour uh, piece, you, there is maybe one hundred and ninety nine hours more material, and that was what I was uh, I call it the second wine. Like in uh, in wine production, sometimes you make a first wine and a second wine. So, was that what you were thinking? About? That yes, was definitely. Uh, what the I was second, thinking the of. second wine. So it wasn't regret <coughs> as such. No, it was not regret as such. No. So, so for that answer, that question, no. Perhaps if we can return to to what parallel do you see between yourself and Leonard Cohen? It, it started it started uh, with this parallel about the longing. The longing. The longing in the longing in the concept of obstruction, and the longing he is using in his. I, I wrote that um, that not only in his lyrics and the music you feel the longing, but also in his his own creative process he uses uses uh, it. There was a story about that he was in a close relationship once, and he need to go out of it to 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 be because he he he, he did not get so much creativity that he had to go away to feel the longing to be creative again, and uh, I I I like that. Uh, so but so that was that was the idea to go into the world because normally I this is the first time using one. One poet, one um, composer's music through our whole piece. So that was the reason I went into it. But but when I started working or researching in his work, I found out how huge he is. I mean, in Europe, in Denmark, he's he's huge. Really? Yeah. Ooh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But here, of course, he's he's bigger. But but uh, I was not aware that he was so big. So I so so when I so therefore I had to say no, I, I cannot do this piece because it's uh, it's it's too much. So I put the idea away for half a year, but then in the end I was longing so much to go mm -hmm. back to it that I decided okay, I have to do it. But then I have to find some people who are will are willing to try to do. There should not be one single song that should be arranged in a way you have heard it before. So that was the uh, the challenge for going into it. Yeah, in that in that delicate kind of borrowing of another's work, mm -hmm. was were you overcorrecting to to make it different to put your signature on it? Yes, in in uh, in in the opening of of the of the uh, of the show, I say, I introduce and I say the word is mine, even though the words are of Mr. Lennon Cohn, and uh, and then I. And then I start to change some of the words in in the op in in the beginning, as far as I'm yes no it's not in in the very beginning but when I put some I put the tower of song I put it on a, on a screen and I change some some words so it fits mm -hmm. more into into my uh, personal story. Well, you also at the beginning you say I hope I'm not giving up giving away too much, but you also say uh, some of the sources for Leonard Cohen to find his lyrics. Yes. It, it is everybody's borrowing from yes. everybody. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That is hopefully to, to uh, how do you say, to clar clarify that, that uh, I'm not the only one doing it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Did you actually uh, meet Mr. Cohen? Did you ask him for permission to use the songs? How did that work? Uh, in in uh, in Denmark, uh, the rights is taken care of by uh, um, Koda. I, I think he is called Sokan. 
but that was also the situation that that there was a little um, problem with uh, that the Kun was touring last uh, autumn when we were supposed to perform here the first time and uh, so therefore we had to change the, the dates to this spring and uh, that was approved by by himself uh, but I, I have not met him yet <laughs> and I would you are, say. Uh, you are in Montreal is he because he's born in Montreal yep. and um, it's a good homage to do to him. Did you know that sometimes uh, people call Santor and they're like, so is he going to be there tonight at the performance? Yes, I heard that. I heard this that. Is, uh, Hopefully he will be there one night. Maybe, maybe. That's How does that make you feel to be in the city that started it all? It's fantastic. <laughs> it is uh, it, it is uh, more special that, that I could imagine because I, I we feel on stage and also from the re reaction from the audience that but of course it is like that but we could not imagine that that you have you have a closer relationship to him that we could not uh, possibly uh, um, yeah of course we wished to 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 have that opportunity to be in we feel like going home i i would say uh, because uh, there is there is a stronger relationship between you guys and him We don't. We don't want to go home. We feel like we feel like this is yep. coming home. Yeah. If I, sorry for my English. How has the creative be process been with the use of Leonard Cohen's material? Have you guys been talking about what the songs meant for you? Have you been discussing any of the musical material in the source as a way to propel the creative process as a group? Absolutely. Uh, I think this is uh, a question more for daughter. Before we started the production, I I, I choose a, a lot of songs, and but then I ask the the musicians and the, they some of them are daughters, is both dance and musician. But I ask them to to uh, how was it daughter? I something was it with the three versions? Here is a song. Do it in three versions, or was it in this production? We've, we've done that too. Yeah. Yeah. Like he oh. said, Pella defines in the morning that I want to use this song today. And then for the hour where the dancers are doing material, usually then we took the song away and did something to it in several versions. Actually, we did that very consequently on the other piece with Thomas Hilmi. Ah, that was another So we used it yes. here, but yeah. not as... You're right. Not as... You're right. Continuously. But um, then we go away for an hour, and when we come back, we have a version of the song or two or three versions and then they can be very strange they can be very easily accessible or they can be completely out of the blue just something that can never be repeated and everything that we do gets recorded on video so that even if it's something that just happens in the moment um, Pelle can see it on video afterwards and then when the whole creative process is over he takes all the video home and looks at it and says I want to recreate this one, this one, this one, and all the 97 other ones, we just dump those, but he then chooses what worked in the moment, and then we try to recreate that. So, you, so, so far you've mentioned that uh, many of you have different roles, so like Aztec, uh, musicians, all of that. How do you feel that as performers uh, you can be involved in so many different facets, uh, like aspects of the show, without ever losing yourself in any of them? I can answer that, I think. <laughs> well, working with Pella, um, being on stage is great because the shows are good, I think. But what really is the, the really good part is the creative process, because we get to do everything. And even though we're maybe hired as dancers, we can do anything. 
So um, it's a great artistic uh, liberty. You can do anything. If uh, in the end he chooses not to use it, well, what the heck, you had the great fun of doing it. And for, I don't know, eight weeks every day you made material and you could do whatever you like. You could dance if you felt like it. You could shout, you could scream, you could tell stories, you can move in a way that you never, ever had the chance to move before. And maybe that is what works. And maybe that is what Perla will use. And tomorrow you'll make something completely different. And that is an amazing liberty. You can do anything. And how often do you really get to do that in any production? So, and even if only a tiny, tiny speck of it will be used in the actual show, it's great. Um, and suddenly you're not just a dancer. Suddenly you're moving, you're telling, you're talking, you're singing, you're playing some kind of instrument. And it actually just broadens the whole thing of being on stage. It's very, how do you say, it takes away the limitations, this way of working. It's curious to me the way that you said when the creative process is done and then he puts the show together. Mm -hmm. d do you mean that there's, there's no drafts? It's really just exploration and then it's set? Or do you go through, like, you, you do all these propositions, you create a structure palais, and then you see what the show looks like? It's difficult to answer because uh, there's not a, you know, I do not have a system in that way. But okay. I have found out that after 25 years, of course, there is a system. But I, I was not making up a system, but the, the system created itself. And it's something like that's because of the serendipity. I mean, if you, if you, if you are asking for the serendipity, you cannot have a, a script <laughs> because then it, yeah, I guess that must be clear. But, but during the process of the creation, uh, the manuscript or the script is, is being done somewhere in my head. Does that uh, negate a linear thread in your work? Do you find that you have sort of a, an abstract plot or for you is it scenes because it flows from mm. one to the other mm. but this this piece is different all pieces are different mm -hmm. um, I have to say so so and and I and I hope that also the next pieces will be different because that's what I like uh, very much that's that's a that's a momentum for me that it should not be the same but this piece is of course and also because it's based on on the Cohen's uh, uni universe uh, both uh, poetry and and uh, music it is much more music or I will not go into saying what kind of style it is I, mm -hmm. I allow other people to do that but but it's different from uh, some of the more dancing pieces we have. Uh, Dort is, is uh, you're performing in, oh, I don't know, so many other pieces, and Bills is also in, in other pieces. Uh, the, 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 the latest performance is called Men and Mala, and that is, I heard some people say, this is a dance piece more. Uh, so, so, so it's, uh, I mean, so they are very different. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, they're dancing We're getting a, a lot. thumbs up from Bill over yeah. there. Uh, now I'm just talking. I forgot what you asked about. Uh, uh, drafts. Drafts, yeah, drafts, yes. Drafts yes, yes. structure yeah. of the work. Yeah, but it, it's a part of it. it, it um, some uh, theoretical professor one, one described my, my, uh, my process as I wait so long that the piece creates itself. 
<laughs> I like that very much because that made me not, not do not have to be nervous if I can just <laughs> wait. I can do wait. it. It just happened. <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, but but it sounds like maybe uh, I, I'm not able to 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 have a, a, a deadline that is a premiere. We have never ever postponed a premiere. So, but uh, but still I um, I an, an opening night. What do you mean by that? Uh, I mean, uh, it, 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 maybe, it could maybe sound like, like I wait so long that I cannot be, be finished for the opening night. But that's, that's not true. I find it interesting, though, that something that you describe as a self-portrait, but still you can say that uh, the piece created itself. That's something very interesting because there is this detachment there from something that is so personal at the same time. Do you feel that this applies to this piece also? The, this detachment from the the work. Um, the reason why it ended up being like con- could be considered as a self portrait was the, this, this was done to celebrate the twenty years anniversary of the company, and I didn't know how to do that. So I was looking back on all the other pieces that we have done throughout the twenty years. So this piece is based on, beside Cohen, uh, be on on all the other pieces. Throughout the years, it, so there there is um, props from a, from a piece that was done ten fifteen years ago. There is ideas from other people uh, from other pieces. So there's so in that way, I I I felt that that maybe using all that material material and also using uh, some um, personal stuff in it, it could be considered as a self portrait. I want to ask about prop integration because you have a lot of of really interesting set pieces and I don't want to go into details to get people to keep coming to see the show. But how do you even start to say, okay, I want a pile of heads that look like me? How do you, where do you, does that come from the performer's experimentation? How do you envision props when they don't exist yet? But in this case, they exist, they existed because oh. they were from from a, a previous piece. Uh. Most of the set for this, no, some of the set for this piece was has been existing in other pieces. For instance, the heads. So so they were there. But the the, the other answer, I I don't know. If I could answer you, it was life was much easier. <laughs> this actually answers one of my questions that I was going to ask about you asking Bill to come out of dance retirement was this why you asked him to come back for this piece because he had been a part of the company and you felt he was needed in in the work again it was not this piece uh, it is uh, another piece that's called mena mala then when i that you brought him yes, back out yes, okay yes yes and i get this impression that this work uh, you've been talking about love a lot and this work seems to have been made really with this in mind love for each other and love for this collectivity can you tell us a bit about your process with choosing your collaborators like is it just a big extended family that you keep bringing back into your process how exactly do you choose people you work with kanhoi dance is supported as a project for the state's arts council in, in denmark and we exist as a project and and uh, so we have no full time engaged uh, people but this season we have more than 30 artists uh, um, uh, related to the company we have six productions on tour and we have all in all more than 125 performances in a year so so in that way uh, maybe that answers your question in a way that so there's so many 
wonderful and fantastic uh, people related to the company that I have the, the privilege to to use them again and again. And and for those two he- sitting here, they have been in, in many other pieces. So in, in this particular performance, which should be considered as a self-portrait, of course I had to to ask some of the people who have been a part of the way. Uh, and and most of them except for <laughs> most makes yeah that was English uh, have, I have worked with it before. Before the show, we we're talking a bit about the scene in Denmark, and this is something really interesting I find because we don't hear about it that much in Montreal. Could you tell us a bit about the evolution of contemporary dance in Denmark because it's a pretty new scene from what you're saying. Uh, the dance scene in Denmark is very indeed small. First of all, Denmark is small, <laughs> uh, but the dancing is very small, and and also if we compare to the other Scandinavian countries, and it's uh, it's still a question going on why, I, and I, I cannot answer that question. But we have a strong classical ballet, the Royal Ballet, the Bonneville tradition. Maybe it's because it's so strong that the modern dance is has not developed. I don't know, maybe. But if we compare to the other countries, uh, modern dance in Denmark is young. Uh, it is not so developed as in the other countries and it is still not established. Uh, there's only one proper company that's called Danish Dance Theatre and the rest is project like like Anhar Dance. Uh, and if you if you say, for instance, I know that Carte Blanche, the Norwegian company, has just performed here. And uh, I mean, that's that's a big company and, and the support from the Norwegian government for that company is more... Than, than the whole scene of modern dance in Denmark. So, so maybe that's, that gives a, a clear picture of, of how small dance in Denmark, uh, modern dance is in Denmark. Do you feel that there are countries, especially which have a big influence on the Denmark scene around? Yes, I mean, because we did not have uh, an education either for dancers or choreographers. People had to go somewhere else to get an education I, I do not have an education at all but I'm so privileged all the people I have around me they have a good education so <laughs> I can relax in that, in that way but they went to Sweden uh, uh, Germany Holland uh, uh, London to, to get an education so, so of course that is the inf- influence that we, we got way back you could say it started it started with American um, uh, US uh, women that moved to Denmark and, and started the scene. So the, the original modern dances was women from the States mm. uh, in whatever they brought. But now we are 30 years back or something. And do you feel that there's a, there's a lot of support from government? Because your company, from what you're saying, is funded by, by the, uh, the government? Mm-hmm. Is, uh, yeah. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's, that's right. But it's a, no, it's a struggle. It's a, it's absolutely a struggle, and uh, I'm afraid that uh, the modern dance scene in Denmark is so fragile, because the the, the theatre in Denmark is strong. The I guess you heard about the film industry in Denmark is very strong. I mean, we're proud of that. So so because because the dance scene is so small, it's very easy with a little wrong thing on the paper and it's we off the the record and that that's my that's my concern seriously concern and what about internationally do you feel that 
Denmark gets enough opportunities to shine internationally and to tour with shows? Uh, for, for the dance, uh, yeah. We are privileged because we tour a lot. And from my point of view, you cannot exist in Denmark if you do not tour internationally because still the, the country is so small. But uh, but the, the policy for the people who support, yes, I hope they hear this program. They should learn uh, to say that it's not enough to perform 10 performances in Copenhagen and put a lot of money on that. It, do, it does not develop that way. You have to go... At least on tour in Denmark, you have to go to other countries to meet the challenge of being confronted with the development in, in, in that, with audience, with radio, with critics, with everything, to find out are you, how, how will you go on further from, from where you are. And uh, please, Danish politicians, no, it's not the politicians, it's also the juries, of course, who listen to this uh, wonderful program and change your way of thinking please do you feel that Denmark is welcoming to outsiders to like contemporary dance artists coming from the outside do you get to show to see shows from the outside a lot um, not as much as for five ten years ago at that time we had a lot of festivals and that was for, for my point of for my personal way it was like that I, I saw a piece from Finland with Jorm Utinen uh, called Ballet Batetik way 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 back and I was just blown away and I thought this is meant to be my future uh, but at that time there was big festivals in, in uh, both uh, Copenhagen and Aarhus but nowadays they are not there anymore so so uh, so that could also be a, um, an answer to your question that maybe it's because we do not invite so much uh, uh, dance to Denmark that we uh, we do not get so much inspired anymore but we have had I had the, pri the privilege also to be a presenter for, for six years, and I invited a lot of Canadian stuff to, to uh, and especially, I mean, being here in Montreal, you have all the big names, that they are maybe more, more well-known in, in Europe than here, I don't know, but uh, you have fantastic names from here. Like who? Out like of who? Uh, of course, the Robert Lepage, but I, I know he's, he's from Quebec. Um, uh, La 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 Humestep, Edward Locke, and um, Marie Chouinard. I just saw, saw a piece of her two weeks ago. No, it must be three weeks ago. And the new upcoming, David Sampier, Daniel Levy, all these wonderful, wonderful companies who have been a big inspiration for, for people in, uh, in, in Europe, at least. So you should be proud of that. <laughs> yeah, I think you are. Yeah. I guess you are. Yeah, very yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. Is it your first time showing work yes. in Montreal? Yes, first time in Canada. How do you feel the reaction to your work has been so far since you've been here? Absolutely fantastic. It has been like, uh, what is that called when you have to... Goosebumps? Like if you're dreaming. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah as if you're dreaming. Yeah. Because yeah. I've read beautiful reviews. Yeah. Um, one on the Gazette, on the internet, by Pat Donnelly, who's a very uh, strong dance writer and dance critic. She's very supportive of the dance community. She wrote beautiful, beautiful things about your piece. You're performing a lot also, I guess. You gets people, they have time to go see the show, hear about it, read about it, and then yes. go and see it. Yeah. That's yeah. a privilege too. Uh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. How's yeah. this? How's the space as well at the Santal? How do you manage it with all the your big cast? 
that you have on stage? It's perfect. It's, it's, perfect. it's absolutely perfect. I think perfect they place. they replaced the stage for your arrival. If I, I heard replaced the stage. Yeah, I think they just put some new uh, new floors new, or something. New, okay, new floor. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Just for oh, you. I painted it. Right. Yeah. Just made it dance friendly. Yeah. Yeah. But if I can, if uh, I can go more into that, to that, uh, I mean, I think on the opening night, I think I was even more nervous than than uh, on the opening night at home, <laughs> and um, and we have done more, more than one one hundred and twenty times. But maybe that says a lot about that. Uh, I mean, coming here to Montreal, to Cone City, to to the city of the people who who own him. Uh, owe him is that English? Yeah. Owe, uh, him him more than we do, at least in in our in our minds, that made us very very nervous. So the first night was a relief because we felt a lot of love coming <laughs> from the audience when we have finished, and during the piece. So it it was it was wow. But every night is like, yeah every night is so wonderful. Wow, thank you very much. And you guys are on until April fourteenth. Uh, is it always the same time every night? No, no, it's uh, it's different. I I cannot remember what it is. It's a very special uh, schedule. Yeah, it's like it's typically there's an evening show Tuesday to Saturday night. Uh, most of the time it's at eight p.m. There's I think a, a Tuesday or two where it's at seven. Yeah, and then you have a matinee usually on Saturday and Sunday. Although some Sundays are seven p.m. as well, just to just to keep you on your toes. <laughs> and people can find the information on the Centorti their website anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming in and talking to us today. Thank it's you. been a real pleasure. Thank you. We've thank been you. speaking with Pale Greng Poi with Dorte Peterson and Bill Eldridge from uh, the production Dance Me to the End On Off Love. Go check it out. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. The music that we've been enjoying this episode has been provided to us by the production Dance Me to the End On Off Love. Dirty Feet is recorded every week at the Montreal Improv Theater. Check them out at montrealimprov.com. Dirty Feet is produced and hosted by Alison Burns, JD Papillon, Joanie Farrand, and distributed by No More Radio. You can find more about our show at nomoradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Dirty Dirty Feet. And you can find us on Facebook at Dirty Feet Podcast. Tune in next week for a whole new show. I asked my father, said, Father, please change my name. The one I'm using now is filled with fear and filth and cowardice and shame.